Good afternoon, Jeanette. Hey, Jerry. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Not too bad. So I want to talk to you today about your story on the spelling bee champion. Uh, tell me, tell me about that story. You know, what what year was the spelling bee champion? Uh, well, this uh, the spelling bee champion uh, that we we researched was from 1932. So this is a really great example um, of a story that. Uh, originated from someone in the community discovering something interesting and bringing it to us, and then we were able to hopefully turn it, you know, do a little research and turn it into um, uh, an interesting story for people to read. So with the, all they had, this um, family, Katie and Marshall Carroll from um, Chilmark, on Martha's Vineyard. So Marshall was out in the woods walking on a friend's property with permission, he said multiple <laughs> times, um, with his metal detector. And he came up with this little piece of metal that's a little bigger than a quarter. And um, it's shaped like a book. And it says National Spelling Bee, 1932, um, on one side, I think. And the other side says uh, something about the standard, right, which was the predecessor of the Standard Times. Um, and it's uh, spelling bees around the country are sponsored by newspapers frequently. And the, uh, the national spelling bee itself, um, the national championship, was founded by uh, a newspaper. So that made sense, but they wanted to know, and of course we wanted to know, um, was this medal, who won this medal, and what was the connection to the actual national spelling bee? So he found it just prospecting for you know, whatever he finds out prospecting for things. Did, was he, did he have a metal detector? Or was he, he just, yes, he had yeah. a metal detector. He said he's had it for a few years, um, and his kids kind of make fun of him because he has a big plastic <laughs> tote full of junk. Um, so and he's did, found a few interesting things, like foreign coins and things like that. Um, but this So I was, guess the standard led him to reach out to us. Was it via Facebook? Is that right? Uh... I forget the exact method where yeah. they where they reached out to us. It might have been might have been a phone call. I'm not sure now, yeah. but um, yeah. So I think because of the standard, they figured that was us, um, uh, and uh, they gave us a call or or reached out to us in some way. And then um, Marshall's wife Katie sent me photos of the metal itself, of the two sides, and uh, we started trying to find out who who actually may have won that medal. And what was the what was the story? But it was it was a little tough without the person's name yeah. um, to go into our archives. Um, so we did not have in the Standard Times paper archives. We did not have an entry under spelling bee. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, whatever institutional knowledge there was here from years ago <laughs> from hosting or sponsoring the spelling bee seems to have been lost. So we didn't have any of our own records of the spelling bee, um, except um, looking. Th- through um, through newspaper clippings online, nationally, we found information about the the uh, the national championship from that year, um, and we also found information about the uh, the regional winner. So now, did you know that the the standard winner went on to the national championship, or were you just kind of taking a shot at finding? You know, kind of that national story about the competitors from the national spelling bee in 1930s. Well, we figured that there must have they standard must have been sending people to the national spelling bee because that was kind of the standard procedure, and the the medal itself had both names, both the name of the standard and the the you know the term national spelling bee. Okay. So it would have made sense for this to be um, some kind of medal that was awarded at a, a local level 
for a bee that was affiliated with the National Bee. So kids would start, I'm, you know, you probably know this, this makes sense, right? Kids would start in school, possibly in their classrooms or in a school-wide um, spelling bee, and then um, go to either a, ta- a city-wide or a town-wide, depending on the size of the town. New Bedford had a city-wide spelling bee where kids from, um, I think, kind of the like elementary and middle grades back then um, would compete against other New Bedford kids from other schools. If you lived in a small town and you only had one middle school or one elementary school, you might not have been doing that. But various, you know, kids from all the different towns would qualify to come to the regional spelling bee, which was sponsored by the standard, um, excuse me, and had, had spellers from towns around this region. There was a reference in one of the old stories to someone from Middleborough being in it. So you know that there was quite a few towns involved. So you're able to find a national coverage of the national spelling bee for, was it 1932, 34? 32. 32. 32. Excuse me. So there was a newspaper story from Maine that was actually was an Associated Press story about the national winner for that year. Was the national winner from Maine? Is that why, or is it just happenstance that it was... I, I think uh, it was happenstance. I oh. think the national winner was from Des Moines, if I get that correct. Um, but because the paper was in Maine, they listed um, contestants from the New England states who went to the national wow. B. And, um, yeah, so they listed a name who was sponsored by the Standard, and her name was Alice, I'm sorry, Gladys Pinchbeck. Um, That's a very 1932 name. It is. <laughs> it is. Um, and there's also, there's a clip also from the Boston Globe, um, a very tiny little item in the corner of a page that was only in the morning edition of the paper, not the afternoon edition, um, that said uh, that Gladys was the southeastern Massachusetts um, spelling champion and that she was you know, going to be on this sponsored trip to Washington. So then we were able to go to the Standard Times paper archive based on the name Gladys Pinchbeck. And which, if people listening don't understand what the paper archive looks like, um, we have rows and rows of creaky filing cabinets with these little brown envelopes in them, which, um, you know, years ago before the paper was online, clerks would clip pretty much every story, I think, that ran in the paper and categorize them under... Topic, location, person, and pretty much any time a name was mentioned, that name is has their own little file folder in this right. maze. Of even for national stories, it, it was even done for national stories, which is so kind of amazing now with the internet to think about the that being worth it, like all that labor, you know, to to hand clip. Um, the and file under the name um, stories that were not local stories, but they did that at that time. So you um, went into the P's and started looking for Pinchbeck? Yes, yep. Um, I, that file, even that archive, you know, even with um, with its limitations, is important because the standard times at the library is not actually indexed. So you would have to know kind of the date and really go hunting in order to find something on the microfiche. 
Yeah. You can't just look for pinchback and, and be told, you know, it's it's on such and such a date, page A7. That doesn't yeah, happen. Yeah, you would have been sitting there going through an entire year's worth of 1931. Or Which initially, <laughs> I actually I actually spent like about an hour trying to do that before we had the name. And it was clear pretty quickly that that was not going to be um, <laughs> a good idea. Time, yeah. <laughs> so then we you go to the peas, look for pinchback. Um, you know, I've, I've been through the archives before and sometimes you'll end up with, you know, different first names, different initials, relatives, you know, a husband and wife are all kind of categorized together. Um, was, was Gladys just there sitting in a folder waiting for you to find her? She was actually. Yeah. Um, it was like a jackpot, which is I th- I forget if I said that in the story, but I sa- I know I said that in in an email to the the people who found the medal because um, we opened it up and it was a big deal at that time. So there was you know there's um, original photo prints in there of her. Um, she was actually uh, in the what was called the rotogravure section, kind of like the st- you know the style section um, where a photographer from the standard went out to her home and took portraits of her um, sitting at the piano and things like that. Um, and then as time went by, so the, I believe the, the regional bee was like in April and the national one was until June. So at some point, a photographer actually went outside and took a picture of her walking home from school. It was like following a celebrity, you know. And I like some of the, uh, one of the clips that kind of captivated my attention was that, you know, the town really got behind this. You have a local girl going to Washington, D.C. in the 30s, you know, I'm assuming traveling by train um, to compete in this National Spelling Bee. And a a local clothing store gave her a new outfit of clothes to wear. Right. Her, Her National Championship Spelling Bee wardrobe right a few different so a few different um merchants jumped in on that but the main one was um cherry and webb which of course everyone in new bedford knows that name um she was invited by one of the owners or the owner to go down to the department store and pick out a suit and um i believe a hat and something else and then other merchants jumped in and, and gave like the shoes or, you know, they may not have actually been a shoe store, but they sponsored the shoes and things like that. It's, um, a, it's such a little, <clears throat> little, uh, mini time capsule to the kind of the way, the way we were. You yes. Know. You, you, I did notice there was quite a bit of attention to, um, her appearance in the stories and the runner up as well. You know, when, when it's, especially when it's women, they always describe like the color of their their eyes and their hair and and it's also a black and white newspaper so that's true you know mm-hmm. you can't see them and, yeah. and so the people reading at home you know they're not on the nightly news because there is no nightly news all they have is the newspaper that they're reading to kind of paint this picture for them which is really you know kind of a fun powerful fascinating thing to me yeah and what well, the standard had this very gushy story about how you know she went to cherries and um they helped her pick out the proper <laughs> you know, the proper clothing. And, uh, there's like a subheading in the story that says the bag is lined and things like that. Like the, just an incredible amount of detail that they went into. And you also think it was probably a very big deal to, to travel to Washington DC. You know, it was, you know, decades before the, 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 uh, kind of the jet age and, and, and the ease of travel and interstates and, and even, you know, 
Right. Yeah. I mean, and you, you dressed up to travel that, that yeah. outfit that she picked out, that was a traveling suit, I love you it. know, that was not necessarily to wear in the competition. I did, yeah. I didn't realize that. I thought yeah. that was her competition outfit. That's fantastic. Um, and so once you had her name, were you able to kind of, you know, I, Glendis Pinchbeck is kind of a rare name. Were you able to kind of track down any, uh, like, is she still alive? Is she still with us? I mean, she would be not young. <laughs> not young, right. I think right about, she'd be right about 100. So she is not still living. Um, but we were blessed with an unusual last name. Um, and that made it easier to find the relatives. Um, so she has... <clears throat> excuse me, she has a nephew who still lives in New Bedford, not too far from where she lived at the time of the spelling bee. Um, and we found a whole series of other relatives. We found her um, Her younger sister is still living at Stoughton, spoke to us briefly, um, and, but we also spoke to Gladys's daughter, gr- um, granddaughter, and her great-grandson. Wow. Who is a history buff, ah. um, and he's in college, so... So how does the phone conversation go when you call uh, the pinchback that you can find, uh, you know, and say, hi, I'm Jeanette Barnes. Yeah, well, in the beginning, I have a funny it was a story little... <laughs> to tell you. <laughs> in the beginning, I guess it was a little awkward when I was trying to explain to them, you know, we found these medals and Gladys's name isn't on the medal per se. So, you know, it's possible that um, this, it's possible that it was hers and that it was the regional, the medal that went to the regional winner. It's also possible that it went to um, someone at one of these kind of feeder bees at the schools or town level. So it's not 100% that that was hers, but it led us to this great story, mm. right? So, um, And one of the photos in the archive actually has her wearing a uh, series of pins, I guess. From- right, three. She had three uh, pins, um, just like the one that was found on the vineyard. And originally they had... Um, kind of a piece of ribbon at the top, almost like reminiscent of a military medal. So it hangs from the ribbon and then the little metal part dangles down below. Yeah. And they're spot on exactly the same as the ones that he found. I think they are. Do you? Yeah. You oh, saw yeah. The they photo. look exactly yeah. the same. So yeah. I, I think it's very clear. And again, you know, maybe that was not the one she was wearing, but the odds are that could have been the one she was wearing in that photo taken, you know, almost a hundred years ago. Well, not almost, but I'm kind of taking a, taking right. some liberties right. there. One of the stories said something like, you know, when she went to the, um, when she went to the regional bee, I think it said like she hopes to um, add a silver medal to the bronze ones that she's already wearing or something like oh, that. So cool, yeah. Um, and she, I believe, she had won the Normandon bee like three times. She went to Normandon. So, so the uh, how after you kind of break the news and tell the family, what was their response to uh, to this kind of strange uh, strange um, caller they were they were getting well they had heard they had heard that she went to the national spelling bee that way um yeah they did know about it they didn't know a lot of the details they didn't know excuse me about um the community outpouring of support for her um and i think they d- they just didn't have a lot of the details but uh, a few years ago um they found a photo of her in D.C. that um, none of them knew about. So um, Gladys, for the last few years of her life, she lived with her daughter um, in western Massachusetts. And um, the way they told me the story, so Gladys had passed away. She had, she had been um, gone for a few years, and they hadn't really gone through her things. And then um, they, they got together for a family event, and the great-grandson asked, you know, if you don't want to go through her things, can I look through some of her things? Because, of course, he's a history buff history and it's buff, family, yeah. right? So, um, 
they opened this chest in her closet, and in there there's a, some kind of rolled up um, tube. I, for, you know, I was like, is it cardboard or what was it? They, they weren't sure, but it was kind of disintegrating. But inside was this panoramic photo that shows all the people who competed in the National Bee, and they're on the White House lawn with wow. um, Herbert Hoover. <laughs> and they um, they had never seen the photo before, is what I was told. So That's excellent. So they were able to find her out of that crowd. And the photo's enormous. I've seen the, the picture and, you know, and... and the clippings uh, from the from the from the archive, the photos of Gladys, the photos of Gladys getting getting outfitted for a traveling costume, uh, not costume outfit, and uh, the panorama will also be uh, with Jeanette's story at SouthCoastToday.com. So if you want to see what we're talking about, you can check it out online and see all those images. But the main panorama must be enormous. I think, yeah, well, I think they said it was about three feet long. Yeah. It was just kind of an estimate over the phone, but yeah. And so it's staggering that then the the picture that they sent, they were able to find her with a group of people sitting in the corner and in one of the things and and find, you know, their grandmother in this picture when she was just a, just a kid. So now you've talked to the family, you've kind of shared the history with them. Did you then get back in touch with the, with the gentleman who found the, the medal? Yes. Well, yes. I spoke to him again and I spoke to his wife and they were just thrilled really to find out what may have been the story of the medal and, and, you know, experience some of that history. Um, so he kind of joked like, well, I'm not a great speller in real life. So it's pretty funny that I now have this spelling medal. <laughs> what a cool story. So he's keeping the medal. He's not like giving it to the family or anything. <laughs> um, well, that was never mentioned. And I think it's, it's like really not conclusive whether it was right, actually hers. Right. I mean, they, so one of the things I had trouble finding initially actually was whether the family had any connection to the vineyard. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. I didn't even think about that. How did it end up on Martha's vineyard? Yeah, so the first few um, relatives I spoke to said that, well, they they may have gone there for the day, but it was a pretty uncertain um, connection. And then finally I found someone who said, yes, definitely they did go there um, as a family for the day, you know, like people do today um, for a little R&R or whatever. And But, I mean, it's kind of hard to imagine that she would, like, bring the spelling bee medal on that event, and then how did it get in the woods and... But you think about it, it, could have been, you know, you know, you, you let your imagination kind of run wild, and it could have been this kind of treasure thing that she kept with her all the time because it was this proud event. She got all this attention, got to go to the White House, met the president, you know, took a train trip to Washington, D.C., and, you know, now she's got this memento of this kind of milestone for a little girl, and it may have been something that she always kept with her, kept in her pocket or something like that, and could have fallen out and just been lost like, you know, we lose so many things like that, you know, it's easy right. to kind of, uh, you, know, it's a, you know, those are the things we'll never know, but it's fun to think about kind of how that story went from, you know, a day in the, probably in the 1930s to, to being dug up <laughs> in 2018 or 2019. Uh, it, it's, it's kind of, it's remarkable. It's really an amazing story. What was, uh, I guess what was kind of the most interesting part for you about kind of reporting the story and doing the research and, and tracking down all these folks? Well, I, I really enjoyed the history too. And the fact that um, not only did we have these photos, but we had some stories that really capture um, the kind of the vibe of the whole thing at that time, 
you know, how, how excited people were. And there was a lot of great details about, um, Gladys's father being in the audience, like at the state armory building when she won and going up to the stage and congratulating her and how happy he was and things like that. Um, and then of course, getting to share it with the family members who've never really heard those details. I mean, how, how exciting is that? You know, I mean, myself, if I was able to learn things like that about my own ancestors that yeah. you could never you could never learn from um you know just from a standard genealogy search i guess it, it was just it it was an exciting to be able to give that information to the family it is you know you look at old historic photos and you think what were they thinking that day what was their life like and this is really a unique for one girl from 1930s new bedford this is a story this is a story of of what her uh you know, maybe one of the most interesting years of her childhood was like. It's uh, it's great. It's an it amazing big, story. It was a big trip for that time, and the the cash prize for the National Bee was a thousand dollars. And I tried to figure out, um, looked up online. I think yeah. what does that mean today? And I think it was like eighteen thousand oh dollars or something gosh. like that. So she didn't win that. Right? <laughs> but, I mean, um, it it was um, it was a big deal back then. That's an amazing journey. That's really cool. So, uh, and the story also talks a little bit about the runner-up who was from Fairhaven, um, Marion Brown, and she got to go as the alternate to Washington oh, really? as well. Yes, um, and she received a little bit of the of the uh, the outfitting or the gift giving, but not as much as Gladys. But I think she received a bag or some a, a jewelry or something like the that. Consolation prize. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you, Jeanette. Thank you for uh, for kind of sharing the story of the story. You know, kind of kind of going behind the story with us. You're welcome. It was it was a fun one to do, and hopefully, it'll be a fun one to read. <laughs>